0: You're listening, listening to, to Bible to Bible, Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hello, Bible Plus listeners. Today we are in Mark 14. I hope by now you have memorized the theme verse for this gospel. Do you remember what it is? Okay, I'll give you a few seconds. The theme verse is Mark ten forty five, which says, quote, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This verse is a strong statement telling us that Jesus, who is the King of Kings, did not come to be served, but rather he came as a slave in his humanity to serve us sinners and even to die for us. Wow, what a verse! From Mark chapter 1, mostly the first half of this theme verse has been worked out. What do we see? We see Jesus busily engaged in his earthly ministry serving sinners for three-and-a-half years. But now, with Mark chapter 14, we find ourselves in the second half of the theme verse, the part that says, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. So, everything that Jesus did in the previous chapters is leading to this critical point. From the time Jesus emerges from Galilee, all his gospel services is heading to a crescendo at the cross in Jerusalem. And in Mark 14, all the elements for this are coming together. At the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus is conspired against and betrayed by Judas. From verses 3 to 26, he's spending his final night feasting with the disciples. From verses 32 to 42, He goes to Gethsemane to pray. Finally, Jesus is arrested. And from verse 53 to the end of Mark 14, He is judged by the Jewish leaders. And in the next chapter, Mark 15 records His crucifixion and death on the cross. All four Gospels follow the same pattern. They begin with Jesus' ministry and they climax with His death on the cross. So, it's not surprising that when we scan across Christendom, the death of Christ is elevated to a supreme prominence. I can't tell you how many churches I've visited that when I come in, front and center, is a giant cross of Christ. And if it's not in the foreground, then there's usually a giant cross in the background. And when we look at Christian literature, we find similar support. John Piper calls this the greatest event in history. Here's what he says about it, quote, Let us stand in awe and look with trembling joy at the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There is no greater event in history. There is no greater thing for our minds to ponder or our hearts to admire, quote. Also, Matthew Henry wrote in his famous six-volume Bible commentary, quote, Come and see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healings. His agonies, thy repose. His conflicts, thy conquests. His groans, thy songs. His pains, thine ease. His shame, thy glory. His death, thy life. His sufferings, thy salvation. Isaac Watts who is recognized as the godfather of English hymns, penned a song called At the Cross. Here's what he wrote, quote, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. When you put it all together, when we arrive at the cross, it appears that we have arrived at the summit, at the highest peak. In our experience and in our worship again and again, we are led to this mountain top, to the death of Christ on the cross for our, quote, minds to ponder or our hearts to admire. But today, I want to suggest that the cross is not the top of the mountain. The cross is not the ultimate and final destination for Christians. Jesus didn't climax his thinking with the cross. He was thinking beyond the cross. The cross wasn't a peak. The cross, rather, was a path, a stepping stone. The cross was a door to something greater, to something higher. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of the cross to us and to God's eternal purpose. 1 Peter 1.19 says that Christ as the Lamb was, quote, foreknown before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13.8 adds that the Lamb was, quote, slain from the foundation of the world. Furthermore, the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 6.14, quote, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know how fundamental, crucial, and decisive the death of Christ on the cross is in Scripture and throughout time. But as important as the cross is, or was, it should not be the peak of our Christian worship and experience. When we examine Mark chapter 14, it becomes clear that Jesus was looking beyond the cross. He was preparing for life after the cross. To Him, the cross wasn't a peak, but a doorway to a higher revelation and experience of Christ. And Jesus wanted His disciple to meet Him there, at the mountaintop on the other side of the cross. In Mark chapter 14, as Jesus is preparing for His death on the cross, He first sends His disciples to arrange a place for them to eat the Passover. Now consider this, the children of Israel have been eating the Passovers for almost 1,500 years since their exodus from Egypt in the Old Testament. And here in Mark chapter 14, this was the very last Passover. Because Jesus, as the fulfillment and the reality of the Lamb of God, will finally consummate all the previous 1,500 Passovers with his death on the cross. As the reality of the lamb, Jesus was fulfilling the type. And this Passover feast was being eaten for the last time by God in the flesh with his disciples. Because soon Jesus will die on the cross so that God's judgment will pass over us. Now as we continue reading Mark chapter 14, something amazing happens. After Jesus and his disciples had eaten the Passover feast in verses 16 through 18, beginning with verse 22, Jesus initiated a new feast to replace the Passover feast of the Old Testament. This new feast of the New Testament is for the remembering of Christ through the eating of the bread, which signifies Christ's body given for his believers, and the drinking of the cup, which signifies his blood shed for our sins. The bread here denotes the eternal life of God and the cup denotes blessing, which is God himself as the believer's portion. And this bread and this cup is the Lord's table that becomes a feast established by Christ so that all his believers may remember him by enjoying him as a feast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 7 and 8, Paul says that, quote, our Passover Christ has been sacrificed. So then, let us keep the feast. Christ has been sacrificed. Yes, for sure. But don't stop there for the mind to ponder or the heart to admire. We need to go on. Paul says, so then, let us keep the feast. So then, what does he mean, so then? So then, like, now what? Christ has been sacrificed on the cross. Now what? So then. Let us keep the feast. There's life after the cross. There's a feasting after the cross. The cross isn't the peak, not yet. The cross is a doorway to something more, something higher. A doorway to an enjoyment of Christ. Not as a snack or even as a dinner, but a feast. The pinnacle of the Christian life is to enjoy the unsearchable riches of Christ. By eating and drinking Him. Not just once a year, but weekly, daily, and even moment by moment. A lifetime feasting on Christ. A lifetime on the mountaintop. To strengthen this point, Jesus even instituted a new covenant in verse 24, when He says, quote, This is the blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many. It's like Jesus is saying, listen, my death will open a way for you to enjoy me to the uttermost all the time, and I'm going to make it official with the covenant. Jesus wanted his disciples to know this and to live a life based on this and according to this after his resurrection. The peak of our Christian experience is to enjoy Christ to the uttermost. And the Lord Jesus makes a whole new testament for this. Finally, in verse 25, Jesus says, quote, I shall by no means drink of this product of the vine anymore until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Wow! This means that our feasting on Christ, our eating and our drinking of Christ, our enjoyment of Christ today should continue throughout our entire Christian life. And then, it will carry over into the next age, the Kingdom Age, where we will be feasting on Christ and with Christ. So, this is Mark chapter 14. Yes, Jesus is making a turn toward His death on the cross in this chapter. But He doesn't stop there. To Jesus, the cross isn't the peak. It not the final destination. Jesus is looking beyond the cross to something, not just far greater, but far higher. He's opening a pathway upward for us to reach the very top of the mountain. Our final destination, from which our journey really begins, is to feast on Christ as the unsearchable riches of God. Lord Jesus, May we eat and drink of you more and more. Fill me, Lord Jesus, Lord, I ask you to come in. Upon my heart, Lord, rise your Lord, so that Christ in me may grow. Renew me in my mind to Lord, Let your light through me may show. For today you've set me free Lord I really love you You're everything I need Make your home within my heart Only you I will believe Loving you and living you With a heart that's pure and true Oh dear Lord Jesus I trust my life to You. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, I trust my life to You.